Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today we are talking about Purim. What is that, you ask? Well, uh, it is actually a a Jewish holiday, and it's actually really cool. The question is, what does it have to do with a Christian today? I'm glad you asked. I've brought someone to answer that question. But before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. We are right in the middle of recording Social Hazard Radio episodes. That means it's going to launch, and don't quote me on this, but I'm hoping within the next month to two months. I'm hoping. I, you know, we, we just we just want to make sure it's done right and done well. So and then there's also unresolved news, which is still going. I have backed off on the amount of content produced so that when I do produce content, it is well done. If you are interested in writing for unresolved news, please send me an email, Teresa at unresolved.life. With that, on with the show, shall we? Landra, welcome to Unresolved Life. Thank you. What exactly is Purim? Well, this is actually the day, the eve of Purim. So we're fe- we're fasting today, and then tonight is begins the celebration. It's a two day celebration, actually, and it's a time where you you celebrate, of course, the saving of the Jews. You're actually told to celebrate with feasting, eating, drinking, sharing with the poor. It is truly a, a joyous time. So you have children; they'll um, they dress up as um, the different characters, or Haman, or Esther, or the king, or Mordecai. Um, they'll even dress up as other things, you know, like superheroes or just different things. Uh, whatever they want to dress up, it's just a fun time of dressing up. The Book of Esther is read. It's actually read twice, but it is read to be to remind them why we're celebrating all of this courage of this woman who who has saved uh, was used by God to save the Jews. Christians or those who are following uh, Torah, but Jew, uh, Christians should celebrate it as well. Uh, it's quite a a holiday to celebrate. Um, I never knew of the holiday until the last few years. It truly is a picture of the ingathering of uh, the scattered tribes and the gathering of those who are um, Israel, and that's us. So it's it's a beautiful picture. It's about uh, what happened in the Book of Esther, correct? Yes, it tells all about the Book of Esther. It all goes through the Book of Esther, and in the end. Um, of the book in chapter nine, verse 27, actually Esther, who is queen, offers the command to all celebrate. And she says, the Jews established and made a cut. And it says the Jews established and made a custom for themselves and for their descendants and for all those who allied themselves with them. And of course, that's us. Interesting. That's very interesting. So let's kind of dig into the actual story. Um, now that we have a little bit of context and celebration, 
What were the Jews actually rescued from? They were rescued from annihilation. I will, if you'd like, I can just kind of go through the story. And because all of the characters are antitypes, if you will, of different ones. Yeah, that would actually be good. Esther was from the tribe of Benjamin, because that is what states of her, her uncle Mordecai. Now, Esther was an orphan, and she was adopted by Mordecai. Okay, so the, the picture of Esther, Esther is a picture of the bride of Yeshua. You just kind of have to think of it like that. This is, and this is one explanation, but it's the most obvious. Uh, but she's a picture of the bride of Yeshua or the bride of Messiah. And uh, Mordecai is a picture of the Holy Spirit of the Messiah, Holy Spirit of Yeshua. So he's, he's like a picture of Yeshua, if you will. Haman, the bad guy, is a picture of the Antichrist. Now, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, uh, when they read this story, they, when they read it, they read the name Esther and everyone cheers and they read the name Mordecai and everyone cheers and they read the name Haman and his name is actually not even um, understandable because as soon as they know his name is coming up, they boo and make all kinds of loud noises so that his name is not even heard. So wow. yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. It's such a, if you have a chance to go uh, on Purim, it's going to be too late for your listeners this year, but next year is so, it's just so powerful. And I will tell you that Purim is always, always, always one month before Passover. So I have a feeling that you and I'll be talking about Passover here shortly. Oh, yes. I I think that's that's, uh, clearly in our midst. Before I go further, the other beautiful thing about the book of Esther is, the name of God is not mentioned at all. However, his power is on display through the whole book and just how he works things. In, in addition, all of the feasts are displayed in this book. I'll take you through that as we go. But okay, so the story takes place in Persia, which is modern day Iran. Um, and it's just a glimpse of you know the Jewish life under the Persians. And it happened between 486 and 465 BC. So there was a king who is over 127 provinces. Now that number is interesting. No numbers in the Bible are accidental, but that number is very interesting because Sarah lived, Sarah, Abraham's wife, lived 127 years. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. And she was called, Sarah's name is called the mother of nations. That's how her name is defined, the mother of nations. And so he reigned over 127 nations. So as you're reading this, I mean, as, as I'm just kind of explaining some of this, just think of that role, her as the bride, Mordecai as Yeshua or the Holy Spirit of Yeshua, and of course, Haman as the Antichrist. and then. The name of the king is Ahasuerus, and that is, um, means prince or head or chief. Um, you're tempted to think of this as God the Father or, or God Almighty, but it is prince or head, chief, that, that type. 
this is this whole book is just kind of thematically um, connected to the in gathering of Jews and Gentiles together at the end. That's the final picture at the wedding banquet of Yeshua. You'll see all of this culminate. Okay, so in the beginning, there was this, um, the king had this banquet taking place because he was so rich and had all this glory. And of course, he called in Vashti, well, uh, to display her glory and her beauty. But of course, she refused his command. Okay, so that's important because she refused what he commanded her to do. So because of this, she could no longer, she was no longer worthy to be in his presence and um, also would be giving a bad name, if you will, to um, the king, uh, because that would be, if, if nothing would happen to her because of this disobedience, she would be setting a precedent for all the other women of the land to not obey their husbands. That was not a good thing. Obedience needed to be displayed by the bride. So she was no longer allowed to go into his presence. And so now they were to look for one who would be worthy is the actual word used. Um, that means tov, which means good. And that, that's kind of the verbiage that was used garden you know in light of that i'm almost it almost kind of draws me back to genesis 3 and the garden scene yes that's exactly right when everything was good um not genesis 3 perhaps but at the beginning when everything was good that's the that's the actual word that was used right but if you think about it once we actually fell we were no longer worthy to be uh, uh in god's presence because we disobeyed his command amen that's exactly right. So this is a picture. This is a picture of the fall. This is the picture of restoration. This is a whole salvation story. All right. So uh, just to so you know, Mordecai's name means warrior. Esther's actual father was named Abihail, which means father of strength. So just to give you an idea, but that they came down from the line of Benjamin. And I'll allude to that in just a second. So all these women were gathered, okay, and um, throughout the land, and they were gathered, and cosmetics, cosmetics were given to them. And I, I looked up that term, and actually, it means a scouring or a cleansing or a purification or scraping away what is impure. So that place with all the women that were chosen who are beautiful. And they came into the, um, the kingdom, in, in the kingdom area where the king was, and they had to go through this scouring. Just like, does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really does. Isn't that very much what the church goes through? I mean, once you suddenly become a, you know, you become a, a follower of, of uh, Christ or Yeshua, and all of a sudden, now you're, you're being purified. Amen. Um, what was also interesting and that was noted is they were also given oils of myrrh uh, myrrh was one of these and also um, incense and spices but myrrh is a healing oil so it's the balm of of gilead or the balm of yeshua you know upon us the spices were what was placed in on uh, um, the sacrifices in the tabernacle 
and those became a beautiful aroma to the Lord. So those were all placed upon these women um, that were being sought by the king. They were trying to be chosen by the king. And the one who pleased the king the most would be queen. Talking about her line, of course, she's of the line of the Benjamite, Benjamin, and that was one of Rachel's sons. And of course, she was the favored wife. Um, and she is, in, she is actually buried near Bethlehem. She's not buried in the cave. She is buried in Bethlehem. And it states that she is still crying out for her scattered children. She's crying out for them to come home. And so this is all a beautiful picture of, of course, the returning of the people, the, the bringing back of the scattered. Esther was the one uh, who was chosen. Um, and she, well, not yet. She, she was one of the many, but she found favor with one of the servants named Hegai, And his name actually means one who scatters. You have this scattered theme going on. And the word favor that she had uh, means grace and mercy and loving kindness. So she found favor with him. And with all these people, uh, she found favor. And he provided for her cosmetics, which is cleansing. So this is a picture also of the Holy Spirit because she did everything he told her to do. And it's a picture. And he gave her food, uh, which is a picture of the bread of life. She was also told, you know, not to make known that she was a Jew or that she had any Hebrew Jewish in her. Mordecai told her that, and of course, she obeyed him. And he walked back and forth in front, Mordecai did, in front of where she was, just kind of like the Holy Spirit does, moves about. So just think about that as the picture. The different women would go before the king and um, Esther only, and, and they would have different requests that they would make of the king. Uh, but she, Esther, followed the advice of Haggai, kind of like following the advice of the Holy Spirit, and she found favor with the king. He, he loved her more than all the others. Um, she had favor or grace from him. She received the royal crown, and she became queen. Then the king had a great banquet, and he called it Esther's banquet, or it was called Esther's banquet. One time, there was a time when Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Now, just keep in mind that Yeshua is the gate, right? So just think about that too. Just think about all these pictures that the Lord's putting out there. He was telling her, you know, don't tell of your background. And so she obeyed. And he had heard one night about the, a plot against the king. And they were against two, two men, uh, two men made a plot against the king. And Mordecai told Esther and she told the king. And so it was investigated and found out to be true. And they were hung. They were hung by the gallows and it was recorded, you know, and all these kinds of things. And he was, Mordecai was to be rewarded, but that never happened. Then in walks Haman, you know, he, he comes on the scene. Now his name means noise or multitude, kind of like chaos. Now he was promoted to have authority over all the princes who were with him, male princes. And all the king's servants bowed to Haman. Okay, now think about this picture. The only one who did not bow 
was Mordecai. And all knew it was because of his kinsmen, of who he was. And he was a Jew. He would only bow to the one true God. And they knew that. All, all knew that. And then Haman found out, oh, he's a Jew. That's why he's not bowing down to me. Of course, that made him angry because of his pride. So he had a plot to destroy all the Jews. Haman told the king that there was a scattered people in all the land and all the provinces, these 127 provinces, and their laws were different than the king's laws and they need to be destroyed. And so the king was like, well, yeah, I mean, they need to be bowing down to me, you know, kind of thing. Haman stated that it was agreed and Haman was given silver as payment and, and I guess a, a confirmation. So, of course, now we're looking at Passover. We're starting to look in the Passover with um, Judas and the silver and all these. Now, he was, uh, Haman was given the signet ring and he said, do to the people what you please. That's what King said. So. The king's scribes were summoned on Nisan 13. Okay, that is one day. That's the day before Passover begins. To kill and destroy the Jews. That was the day. And uh, they wrote up this decree. So that all happened that day. Now, when Mordecai learned of the decree, he, okay, think about this. He tore his clothes put on sackcloth and ashes, wailed loudly. This is the exact same night that Yeshua went to the garden to weep. And there, and all through the land, there was great mourning and fasting and weeping and wailing. Okay, this all happened that same, very same night, day before Passover. So you. Then Esther heard about it and she became in anguish. Okay, she's the bride of Yeshua, picture of that, right? So Mordecai sent the edict for Esther to see what was going on. And she, so she could go to the king and implore his grace and mercy to save the people. Okay, so here we go. This is a picture of who? Yeshua. This is all happening. Esther told Mordecai through a, serve, a steward, anyone who comes to the king, this is what she told Mordecai, Anyone who comes to the king unsummoned will be put to death unless he holds out his scepter so he may live. And she had not been summoned. So she's risking her life. And Mordecai, she's like reassuring him, okay, I'm, I'm going to risk my life here. You're asking me to do this. And Mordecai said that she would not escape destruction either. If she doesn't go in. Yeah, because she's a Jew too. And he said, if you remain silent, Relief will come from another place. I mean, they would be rescued. He, he did not forget the promise of God. But then he says, of course, who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this. That is a money verse right there. I mean, how often have you heard people quote that one? And especially in this day and age, how often have I even quoted it? Because I've sat there and gone, man, God, things are getting so dicey right now. You know, maybe we're here for such a time as this, you know. Well, he's raising up his bride for, for such a time as this. And that's massive. I mean, and then when you sit there and you go, well, what does that mean? What do we do? You know, I mean, and I'm sure there's a lot more that can be gleaned from this book. So, 
let's continue on and see what else God has to show us. Okay. It's so fun. All right. So this is what Esther told them to do on the night before Passover. Esther told Mordecai to have all fast for three days and three nights. Doesn't that sound familiar? I think we've heard about that somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's how long Yeshua was in the ground. And she says, if I perish, I perish. I mean, that, that takes a lot of guts. Yeah, took a lot for Yeshua as well. But he was saving the people too. All about restoring his people. Anyway, um, and saving them, of course, from destruction. So we have the 14th of Nisan to the 17th of Nisan is, is just been stated. That would take us to the Feast of First Fruits, would be the final first day, and final third day. And that's the day that Yeshua resurrected okay, to, to life. Okay, so anyway, Esther puts on her royal robes. This is after the third day. Esther puts on her royal robes. And just like we've been given royal robes and the king saw her and he gave her favor and he extended his scepter and she came near just like we can come near because of the resurrection. That is massive. I just, I love pulling out these little details because it's, it's stuff you don't think about. No, we skip right over it, but it's there. So at that point, the king offered her half the kingdom, just like we will. I mean, we're the queen, you know, we're, we will be given half the kingdom, if you will, you share it with him. So Esther offered a banquet on that day. Piece of first fruits. Yeah. Offered a banquet. So they came to the banquet and, and this is for the king and Haman and her. Okay. So they came to the banquet and they drank and the king again offered half the kingdom. You know, Hey, what's going on? I mean, I like the food, but what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's still trying to get at her point. So and she requests another banquet. And Haman was so pleased with himself, you know, because he, you know, was invited to these banquets. And but he was angry, still angry, that Mordecai would not bow. He still had this in his head. So his wife encouraged Haman to build gallows. And those are 50, it was 50 cubits high. Now, the number 50 means jubilee. That's 50 means jubilee. And from the day of, of Passover to Pentecost, of course, is 50 days. And we're getting ready to see a picture of Pentecost or Shavuot coming up in a minute. So this is all laid out for us. We just haven't seen it. She said, you do this and have Mordecai hung on it. And so he did. So um, that night, the king had insomnia couldn't sleep. And so he had the records read to him, probably to kind of help mull him to sleep, lull him to sleep. It was read to him about Mordecai and how he had reported about the conspiracy, but nothing had ever been done to reward him. So the king asked Haman, you know, and this is what's so fun is, you know, what honor should be given to one who the king wants to honor? Of course, Haman was so excited about himself being invited to the second banquet that he's focusing on himself. So Haman said, now think about this with Yeshua, put a royal robe on him. Let him ride a horse that has been ridden by a king. Let him wear a crown of the king. 
let him ride through the city square, proclaiming the king honors him. So the king had Haman do this, proclaiming out to all, this is what, uh, that the king honors him. Uh, This is a picture of now the Feast of Trumpets. Now we're moving into the Feast of Trumpets, uh, that a picture of that proclaiming, this is the king. This is who, I mean, this is who the king honors. This is who the king honors. <laughs> and I'll bet you Haman was like spitting furious when he found out it wasn't going to be him. It was Mordecai, the guy he can't even stand. Oh, yeah. And he went home to his wife, you know, all sulking and stuff. But she said, if he is Jewish, you will not overcome him, but will fall before him. Okay, so then he goes to the banquet. Right. At least he's got that going for himself. You know? So he goes to the banquet and the king and Haman, they come and they drink and they eat. And the king asks again, what's going on? I will give you half my kingdom. And of course, at that point, she asks for her life and the life of her people to be given. And the king was troubled, of course, by this. And he said, who would do this? And Esther said, the foe. The enemy, Haman, you know, (laughs) the king rose up and he went to the garden in anger and Haman stayed, of course, to beg Esther. And he was, he fell on the couch where she was. And of course, the king returns at just the right moment. And the king saw that he, you know, it, it was, seemed obvious to him that he's even wanting his wife the queen. So uh, I will tell you that um, the Feast of Purim, it means Feast of Lots, Festival of Lots. It's like a little Yom Kippur, Purim. Okay. So Purim, Yom Kippur, okay. That means lots. You know, they were to be destroyed on lots and they were rescued. And of course, this happened again with every year with Yom Kippur. Every day there was a scapegoat, which ended up being Haman. And there was one who was victorious. And of course, that's Esther and, and Mordecai. You know. So anyway, that just gives you a little background there. So the king returned and the house of Haman, it says, was given to the queen. So she was all of that. And I, I don't think we realize our role in the kingdom as, as the bride of Yeshua, but, you know, we have quite a role to play because uh, we stand with him. That's an interesting tie-in as well. I mean, I mean, it says that we are the bride of Christ. It says that, but then you also think, yeah, but he's kind of God and we're not. And so, uh, you know, I re- I mean, how often do we really think about that? How often do we think, well, what are we going to be doing with him? I know we, and we do, and we should honor him as God, obviously, but it also says that we are one with him. So, I mean, that's a really hard concept for us to understand, but if he is king and we are his bride, then the king does have, once he's married, a queen and, you know, that is who we are. And it does state that we will rule and and reign with him in the kingdom. You know, it's, it's just so I know we, we just don't know our worth, um, nor do we believe it, I don't think. 
how often do I sit there, especially when I'm doing, you know, stuff like working on a project and I'm sitting there going, is this even worth it? I mean, am I even worth hearing? How many times have I said that? And I know that there's people in my audience that are probably thinking, you know, something similar that, you know, I'm just slogging away here trying to raise these kids or trying to do this work, whatever it is. Am I really worth it? Amen. And and you are. He is training you up for ruling. He's bringing us all back to rule and reign with him once again. And, you know, we can kind of think in our mind what all that might mean, but we won't truly get it until we are standing with him at the at his throne. I mean, and, and the wedding supper and betrothed to him, and he's our groom. I mean, if we can, if we can just realize that, but then walking through the land with the king as queen. I mean, this is our worth. This is this is who we are. And even now, as Emmanuel, God with us, he is with us, and. Because he is with us, anywhere he is is where his kingdom is. So we are like walking kingdoms of God, all only because of his grace and him within us. So to know who we are, even as we're feeding our children or mopping the floor, or, you know, going to work, whatever we're doing, we are walking kingdoms of the one true God, even now. And it will be fully realized. At the last day, you know, at the last great day. What do you think then? Because, I mean, it seems to me there's this contrast between Esther, who is the queen, who is the, who can, who can, you know, walk up to the king. He extends the scepter. And then, but then you got Vashti who, well, she disobeyed. She broke the command and got kicked out because I see it a lot of times where people are, I don't. Why would, you know, why would a loving God, for example, you know, send someone to hell? Well, he isn't sending anyone there. You choose to go there and therefore you're, you're choosing not to enter his presence. Yeah. I mean, we stand as one with him. And if we are completely defiant with him all the time, then we're definitely not one, you know, and we are not bringing any honor to him, period. And that's what Vashti was, that was happening. You know, she wasn't obedient. She wasn't bringing him on her. Yeah, he may have been a you know you know chauvinist. Who knows what? But you know she was still his queen, and give him honor. And you know his ways, just like the father, his ways are not our ways. We just know to obey. Right, and I'm reminded of that uh, parable where there was going to be a banquet held, and. The master of the banquet, if I remember, I think it was the king, he calls out to like all his royalty and and they started giving him excuse after excuse. And he said, well, fine, open up the doors and gather anyone who will come. Mm, all scattered and put a put a royal robe on them and then they'll be, you know, they will be in my feast. And that's a picture of the ingathering as well. You know, who are we? Who are we? We have been given this grace upon grace and mercy to come before the king and not only come before him, but to rule and reign with him. I mean, that is just beyond our understanding, but that is what he has. And as I finish the story, you'll see, you know, there is this aligning that takes place and this beautiful picture of this wedding. You know, I'm just getting my head wrapped around, man, 
<laughs> we just really do not understand how much we are loved and how much we have to gain when when Christ comes to rule and reign. Uh, amen. You know, we don't know. We can only, you know, guess, but it's beyond our imagination. So getting back to the story, um, Esther asks the king then to revoke the decree. You know, she's saying, you've got to revoke it. You've got to stop this because my people are going to be killed and they're going to be killed at the end of this year. So it was, you know, towards the, that was the first of the, the year, Nisan. And the last month, Adar, is when they were going to be killed, Adar. And uh, so she, anyway, she said, you have to revoke this. And he said, well, you know, I can't revoke a decree, but... He gave her authority to proclaim, okay, think about our role as the bride of Yeshua, okay? He gave her authority authority to proclaim his name with, with his seal that he gave her. The Holy Spirit, of course, is a seal. And so he gave her that authority to override, not override, but to defend and fight, Okay. So the, the, battle, the battle will rage, the battle will occur, but we have now, or she is now telling everyone, now, you have the king's name and you have his seal. You know, the Jews now have this. Salvation is through the Jews, if you will. Okay, so we have this. Now you can fight. Now you will have something to fight with. So the scribes were called in in the third month, um, which is actually Shavuot. Of course, that's a picture of the law being brought down and also being written on our hearts, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so it was written to all 127 nations or provinces. Okay, think about that with the scattering, all of Sarah's children, sealed. So it was written and sealed, and they were given the right to assemble and defend their lives and to destroy, kill, and annihilate the entire army which might attack them. So they were given all of this right. And of course, that's a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. It was done during the time of Shavuot, which is Pentecost. I would also bring up, you know, I mean, in bringing it to something that's applicable today, we've been given authority. We've been given authority to trample over snakes and serpents. We've been given authority over the evil one and all his little punk minions. Amen. This is a picture of our role as bride. So whatever, wherever you are, this is the role you've been given. This is what was told to all the mothers who were feeding their babies and was told to all the people going to work every day. This was told, this is how you're going to defend yourself. Uh, and of course, we, because of Romans 11, and we have, we are now part of, we've been grafted in. We're part of the Commonwealth of Israel. We're aligning ourselves with them. And we have this defense as well. So an edict went out uh, so that the Jews would be ready to avenge themselves on their enemies. Mordecai went out and it says in royal robes of blue and white. Those are the colors of the Messiah. Those are the colors. You see them in the Torah. You will um, have seat seat of blue and with white, you know, and so it's just all a picture of Messiah. You will have a crown of gold and a garment of linen and purple. So it's also a picture of the priestly garments, high priest garments. His garment was blue 
And then, of course, had all the purple color and gold and ephod and all these kinds of things. So it says there was light and gladness in the nations and joy and honor and feast and holiday. And many among the people of the land became Jews, it says, for the dread of the Jews had fallen on them. That's in chapter eight. Now, in chapter nine, uh, on Purim, Adar 13, happening tomorrow, starting tonight, Jews mastered their enemies and the dread of the Jews and Mordecai was upon them. And they were struck. They struck the enemy with the sword, it says, of course, which is a picture of the word. And, you know, Haman was hung a while back, but Haman's 10 sons, 10 is a picture, 10 in scripture means testimony, perfection, divine order. His sons were hung and then they rested and then they feasted and rejoiced. So that's the holiday. And um, it was made a holiday at that point, and it was decreed that all Jews should celebrate, as well as any that lined the, aligned themselves to them. But it seems like it's uh, again, it's another holiday that has been completely forgotten. Oh yeah, we don't know of it at all. We know of Esther, and you know she was neat and courageous and all this stuff. But how does this even apply to us? But what happened was. Now you have this final, you know, this is a picture, this rejoicing, feasting, food, gathering, the um, Feast of Tabernacles, the last feast. Okay, so we, we've gone through all the feasts. Now we're at the final feast of celebrating. The, the final feast points to this in gathering of the nations, bringing in all the nations, just like that wedding you were talking about, bringing in everybody having a big celebration. It's a picture of the kingdom of God. So it is, is truly um, this time of celebrating, you know, and it go, and it's the last feast. So this whole story goes through all the feasts and, you know, it's just a perfect picture every time. And the picture of course is the ingathering and bringing back of his children into the wedding supper of the lamb, the huge celebration of the new kingdom, because it says, let's see, in verse 10, in chapter 10, three, hold on, I'll read it to you, because it's a picture of Yeshua. It says, for Mordecai, the Jew, think about Yeshua, was second only to the king and great among the Jews and in favor with the multitude of his kinsmen, one who sought the good of the people and one who spoke for the welfare of the whole nation. So you have fullness of the nation coming about in this story and we've never been told in uh, final reflections what should someone who has kind of heard this for the first time what should they walk away with i think just knowing the grace that we have been given to be aligned with the king of the jews and the jews themselves you know the they are a promised nation and we get to be grafted into them this is beyond our understanding of our worthiness we don't even get that you know do we have to be um converted to judaism no no this we've been grafted in we are israel we are his people and yes we will be in the final feast and you know zechariah eight twenty three. this is this gives a picture of what we're like, it says, thus says the Lord of hosts in those days, 10 men, 
10 also represents the scattered tribes. 10 men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. And of course you see this picture over and over. You see it with the Exodus, you see it with Yeshua, you see it here with Esther. There's always an aligning back of, okay, we get it now because God is with you. We want to align ourselves with you. And of course, now we have the most beautiful picture because Jesus was the perfect woman. He was the rabbi. He was a Jewish rabbi. And we, we have this king of ours that we are to be queen of. And if we are going to be his queen, we better line ourselves up with him. I'm, I, I, want to, I want to know what he did. I want to know how he did it. I want to know everything he learned. I want to do this so I can stand with him and rule and reign with him as he sees fit. We don't know, you know, when that final feast is going to come, but we know, we know it is coming. And, you know, the thing is, I really do believe that there is going to be a final in gathering in the sense of, I think there's going to be a revival before he returns. You know, I really do. Um, I, mm-hmm. at the same time, I can see where America, uh, very, m- might very well fall into judgment because we've done a lot of really stupid stuff lately. <laughs> but there is pride. There is a bride beyond beyond borders. Uh, you know, there's a bride across the globe, and as the the dark gets darker, of course, the the light does get brighter. Uh, for those that are struggling and are, are away from him, okay, it is time to align, get back. He's crying for you, just like Rachel is crying out for her scattered tribe. She's crying out for you to return back to the Father. And I think that that is a good note to end it on. I think uh, if you are struggling and you're trying to really walk this thing out and you need some help, please reach out to me, Teresa at unresolved.life. Take some time, read over the book of Esther and and see what God speaks to you. Landra, thank you so much for coming and breaking down this feast, this Purim uh, holiday. It's it's one that a lot of people don't know about, and I thought it might be a good one to deal with. Uh, it's been a joy. Happy Purim. Happy Purim to you. Thank you very much. Well, this is Teresa Blaze. Uh, this has been the Unresolved Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.